Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford here and going to introduce one last episode with Brewer Saxberg, Chief Learning Officer for Kaplan Inc. And we had the opportunity to talk to Brewer a week back and we talked to him about learning engineering. We talked to him about the future of work. But what was beautiful about that conversation with Brewer was that it was wide ranging. It covered so many different topics. And in fact, before we even began the formal recording process, uh, Brandon, Mike and myself had an opportunity to just talk to Brewer. And uh, you get to see in these clips that we're going to share today uh, how wide ranging Brewer's expertise is, but also how easily he's able to relate to uh, common thought processes and, and ways that people understand the way things work. So uh, the clips we're going to share here are actually a, a pre-tape where we're talking to Brewer about a variety of subjects, and you'll hear from him on all of those and from Mike and Brandon as well. So we want you to sit back, relax, enjoy Brewer one last episode here and really take a look at what he has to offer. The first clip is all about instructional design. So really thinking about how the the curriculum can be designed and separating out the design of the curriculum from the subject matter expert. And that, that applies to a bunch of fields, as you'll hear Brewer talk about right here. You sort of know it's going well when periodically your subject matter expert stomps out of the room screaming, this guy's an idiot. Yes. Because then it means, I think we're getting to the right level of depth. Correct. Because it should feel mm -hmm. obvious to the subject matter expert. And what's fascinating is because they lose the words mm -hmm. and it is obvious, they get angry at themselves mm. and they take it out on the instructional designer. Mm -hmm. So because they know it's right and they know they learned it. Right. But I, I can't. Yeah. And, right. And then you get upset and then you take it out on the instructional designer who's yep. putting you in this uncomfortable position of being made aware that you no longer know what you're doing. Right. In a literal sense. Right. It doesn't mean that you are doing bad things. Right. It just means you literally can't put it into words. Anymore. Yeah. You can't produce the language. You can't produce the language around. Which is a separate set of skills. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's funny because way back in 19th century and elsewhere, you know, when people were thinking about it's kind of a philosophical question of, of uh, epistemology. How, how do we know things and mm -hmm. how do we know when we know things? Mm -hmm. It used to be thought that you had to be able to use words to describe something mm -hmm. in order to be considered to really know something, mm -hmm. right? And what's fascinating about modern cognitive psychology on this is it shows 70% or more of mm -hmm. what experts decide and do mm -hmm. is no longer verbally accessible. And so they may, in fact, not be able to put into words mm. their own expertise right. without a bunch of help. Right. So from a 19th century epistemology definition, they look like idiots. Right. And you wonder, why are we paying these guys? Yeah. Whereas, in fact, the way minds work, yeah. this is exactly how learning works. Right. And the other piece of this is fascinating. Is then, So it's, it's Descartes' fault. It is totally Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is Yeah, yeah. just when in doubt. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. The good thing is he won't even notice because he's so solipsistic. <laughs> he's in his own universe. So it works actually fine. A, yeah, he really is in his own head. He, he's in his own, yeah, he's in his own place, wherever <laughs> that is, upside or downside. Um, but the other aspect of this that gets really weird is to start then. There's, there's now a, a bunch of new research that I'm not following very well. I'm just hearing about it on the side that's beginning to investigate how do mammals solve problems? Not, mm. not people, but mm -hmm. other mammals. Mm -hmm. Because once you start to accept that, you know what, a lot of expert solver, but problem solving is nonverbal. Correct. Well, then it means, mm. oh, problem solving, nonverbal. Mm -hmm. That's what my dog does. Right. Well, so how does that work? Mm -hmm. 
And could that give us insight in how the long-term memory machinery of people, who turn mm -hmm. out to be mammals as well, right. work? Right, right. So we happen to use words to get things more efficiently into long-term memory. Right. But maybe the machinery, once it's in long-term memory, mm -hmm. for using it for problem-solving and other things, is similar to animal models. Ah, isn't that fun? That is interesting. So I don't know if, I don't know where that'll go or how it will work, but it creates new interest in the cognitive psychology of mm -hmm. mammals, mm -hmm. um, you know, outside of people, because now we understand that it doesn't have to be language right. that makes intelligent choices, mm -hmm. that it can be as long as it's the right neural processing, however it got there, right, right. Th then how you do that quickly and well is uh, maybe something that would be worth investigating for. Yeah. Because you can, you know, work with animals in a way that you, in the U.S., can't quite do with right. children. Right. Right. Just right. saying. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I often think about that, too, just in terms of the golden era of, like, uh, social psychology research. Yeah. Like, you can't get away with that anymore. <laughs> like oh. Milgram, oh, the Milgram experiment. Seligman, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. like they're all like mildly sadistic, yeah. at least, if not yeah. just blatantly. Yeah. Zimbardo. Yeah. They, oh, oh yeah. These, these things are scary. And, 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 you know, people learned something from them that was surprising, mm -hmm. but you know, the ethics of it are just, it, it's not right. And, uh, and, and, you know, you, there's a lot of these things that go on in other places, too, partly because they have to. You think about some of the extreme settings that folks in the military have to deal with and so forth. Absolutely. And so, you know, they, they, they have reasons mm -hmm. to, to try to understand what's going on. Yes. You know, some of the things about how do you resist, uh, yeah. can we say, highly persuasive mm -hmm. techniques by others. Mm -hmm. it, you know, doing that in theory, you know, not so great. At the same time, you know, within university settings, trying to pursue non-extreme ends, well, you know, yeah, we, we got to do it differently. And uh, unfortunately, there is so many things to pursue. Um, although, you know, in a related line, uh, this whole issue of use of data and privacy, mm -hmm. and then the crossover with, uh, you know, use of data for improving learning, mm -hmm. that's another example of a kind of a an ethical conundrum yes. uh, about how to handle that mm -hmm. and how is it different for children than for adults and so forth. Yes. And so, you know, it's obviously nothing like the, you know, the extreme sports of you right, know, right. hitting people with shocks and right, right. lying to them about sure, sure. what people are doing. But it still ends up that, you know, you do have to think through and, and sort out those ethical conundrums. Like and, informed consent. Yeah, and informed those consent and how much data is okay to bring together. A great discussion there between Mike and Brewer about uh, data, about consent, about uh, mastery of, of different subject matters and how we show that mastery. And uh, something we've talked about here on the podcast a few different times about the quantified self and tracking your own data. But when is it OK for someone else to use your data and someone else to base hypotheses and work off of your data, college setting, educational setting, uh, a real uh topic that will be a deep dive across this year here on trending in education is you know data points and enriching education how we can use more data points more learning science uh, more data science to really bridge that gap and bring it all together in the next segment we get a little meta at the top where mike talks about podcasting as an educational form but uh, you'll hear one a little background on the the naming of this podcast but even further um Brewer really hits on what i think is a great subject matter about about human nature to an extent of storytelling 
and how it is that we as a people learn at times. And it has often been by sharing our shared stories, our, our common stories as human beings. And so we break into the idea of podcasting, of storytelling, really, as an educational device. And how does that affect how we learn? And how does that, in Brewer's eyes, bridge some gaps that may happen otherwise? So take a listen. I'll come back at the end. We'll sum up and we'll see you next time on Trending in Education. But still more great stuff right here from Brewer Saxberg. You really learn through yeah. podcasting, yeah. which is interesting. Even like it's a, it's entertaining content that you also yeah. learn through, yeah. which yeah. is like something that I guess Sesame Street kind of touches yeah. on it. You know, yeah. I'm a big Schoolhouse Rock guy from back Absolutely. in the day. Yeah. Uh, but we talk, we have we have had a show on edutainment mm -hmm. as well. That's edutainment. Yeah, we almost called this show <laughs> "That's Edutainment," but then uh, my Part two <laughs> my co my colleagues my colleagues talked me off the ledge. And uh, and we dodged we dodged that, that, that potential. Or did we? Yeah. I mean, uh... I did. I did wind up. I did uh, write the lyrics to, and I did perform briefly. Uh, That's edutainment to the tune of That's Entertainment. Oh, oh, absolutely. From the, from the musical, we can cut that and send it to your board. Don't worry. I'll, I would I'll love to happen. see that. That is actually highly classic. And even classic. our uh, our lead in and lead out music is uh, another. Uh, the, there's a mod band called The Jam. Hmm. Uh, who did a song called "That's That's Entertainment," uh, and it's like so, pretty close. So we have some layered a nod, some layered <laughs> nods. You know, like you try to keep it entertaining. You I know? think that's good. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing about podcasts is, you know, if you think about how has learning been done for millennia, right? Mm -hmm. Since language was developed, I don't know, fifty thousand years ago or uh, hundred thousand years ago, depending on which you know neurobiological evolutionist you're listening to. Mm -hmm. You think about storytelling, mm -hmm. right? Sure. This is, you know, ancient myths and legends and all of this. Right. It, it is about stories. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the old memory palace idea from yes. Aristotle and before. Yes. That is effectively a storytelling technique for remembering important things about your world. Sure. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of maybe going back to and reusing a set of machinery in our brains. Mm -hmm that's really been there from the beginning of language sure. to help us retain things. Right, right. And, uh, and, and I've often thought that, you know, we, we're, we haven't done enough to fully understand what is going on when you learn through stories mm -hmm. as opposed to learn with other modalities that we use, you know, practice and feedback and trying right. to get something done and yada, 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 all of which have good evidence and data about how they work. Right. But I don't think we've explored enough. Now, wait a minute, what goes on when you tell people stories? Mm -hmm. So, there's an interesting um, uh, sort of set of technologies that uh, somebody I know out on the West Coast is playing around with that, that involves augmenting storytelling by adding some very simple and generic music and lights, not mm. slideshows and not detailed you mm. know, sound effects, but quite generic kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to kind of amp up the retention of a story mm -hmm. by making it a little bit multimedia mm -hmm. without the expense of fully producing it. So right, right. there's a bunch of things here around stories and storytelling that yeah. might be worth doing. Well, it reminds me a little bit of the, um, the fireside chat concept yes, as well absolutely. when like FDR, you absolutely. know, it's sort of that notion of getting back to like the primordial Savannah yeah. There's like a, there's a campfire, campfire telling yeah. ghost stories, you know, like exactly. we're, we're like wired 
to do that. And we're wired to kind of learn that way. Exactly. Uh, That's, this is not the first appearance of the primordial Savannah, Savannah in, no. in this, uh, in no, this no, podcast. No, no. You're going to, you're going to start, we're going to we'll try to land a few with you. That's I, I almost, uh, I almost, when you were talking about the memory palace, I was trying to figure out the right joke to say. And I was saying, I was having this problem remembering my keys and then I put them somewhere in my memory palace. <laughs> oh yeah. And I still can't, I still find, can't them. find them. Beautiful. Yes, yes, I like that. I lost them in my memory palace. <laughs> I just yeah. think I need to update my LinkedIn to talk about storytelling and memory palaces when I talk about podcasting. I think that's, yeah. that's cool. Go. Right oh, I think so too. No, yeah. absolutely. Well, I, I've actually uh, had this idea within Kaplan for the, 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 the group that I run across Kaplan. Mm-hmm. We, we try to think a little bit about what would be some really wild future oriented research pieces around learning that we could contribute to, to everybody and yes. kind of work with some different folks about this. And Brandon, that could be with your team mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and, and one of those things is storytelling. Mm-hmm. How can we take something that seems quite difficult for learners to retain and, and investigate doing stories? Um, it's a little bit like that, uh, that new organization that, that you guys are working with that does those images. I'm trying to think it's the medical sketchy medical. That's it. Sketchy yeah. medical. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're, almost there in the sense that and when i heard them talk about what they're doing they are really trying to create visual stories and even have them be extended it's not just about remembering certain facts but they're also trying to extend the metaphors so that you can actually remember processes and some other things alongside Mm. but i think about how do you even expand that further and you know you, you i don't know use a set of characters to actually play out some things in anatomy or physiology or pharmacology or organic chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. So that you kind of, like with myths and legends from way back, you fall into familiarity about those characters and what they represent and what they're tied to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the trick is how do you make the characters match the modern chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have different different characters playing different orbital structures for your molecules? Right, I, right, I have right. no idea, right? Sure. But how they interact or bounce off each other, you know, sure. it's obvious that, you know, that helium, he hates everybody. Right, right. Because he never wants to play with anybody. I have no idea what works. Right. He's noble. Well, that is his problem. Yeah, after all. yeah. And if, if only he weren't so noble. Right? <laughs> but he can't even play with the other nobles. Right. That's the right. funny thing. You know, you'd think they can't even reproduce themselves at that rate. Well, no, this is going to get a little off color. So Let's, we well, we, 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 we skirt. Is what we, <laughs> we do. We skirt we the do. blue is the goal. Because this is. It's the, uh, blue, it's the blue skirt. The blue skirt. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking yeah, yeah. that's a nice way of putting yeah, it. Actually. Yeah, exactly. We keep the skirt yeah, on yeah. the blue. We, yes. we, show, <laughs> we, show, we show a little ankle. We show a little ankle. But that, that's about that's it. About yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's exactly. all good. That's all good. It's interesting when we do market research with students, the thing they want most is practice. The next thing they want most, uh, second most, um, is mnemonics. Mm. Which is mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think storytelling and mnemonics are um, are probably pretty related yes. in mm-hmm. terms of you know how you con- how you construct whether it's memory palace or you know yep. so it's, it's, we're all in the same it's all in the same mm-hmm. uh, ballpark I think um, association and recall a lot of those things are, I I think are probably related and yep. students are telling us you know in one with the, with the what we've defined as mnemonics mm-hmm. that that's what they want I think. They want hooks, like they want they want things that they can hang sure. memory onto that is going to help them with recall on test day. Right. Uh, so I think there's I think that that's an interesting thing to, for us to explore. Well, and the other thing is, and this is related to some uh, research on uh, this will sound odd, but we'll go with me. Go with me. Um, uh, this is related to research on small children uh, learning uh, math, learning numbers, and things like that. Mm-hmm. That they go through a stage where they're counting on their fingers, mm-hmm. and for a long time. 
uh, teachers actually tried to stop that. They thought that's bad mm. because it's preventing the development of a conceptual understanding of numbers and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out cognitive psychologists digging into this with more care discovered that it's actually an important phase mm. and that you actually want to accelerate kids to using their fingers to, to do some of the simple math things because there's like several techniques for using your fingers to do the math. Mm -hmm. And as you move up the scale of those techniques of using your fingers, you are actually cementing a better conceptual understanding of the math. So mm -hmm. one way to think about those visuals and the stories is not that they're necessarily going to be lifelong and maybe not even for test day, it just depends, but rather they're a great uh, uh, scaffold sure. for getting things to be easily and repeatedly available. Mm -hmm. And then with lots of reuse, the need for the scaffold actually goes away because the stuff is already embedded in long-term memory. Right. So I imagine it's developmentally appropriate too. Like, like they're, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. they're just learning the, 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 the physical skills. Yep. So yep. you're so probably forming those neural pathways yep. at that point in time. You know whose fault it is that Kids are not allowed to number count like on their fingers. No, Descartes. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. What's funny? What's funny is I had to fight my my daughters in first grade, and they they do count to in addition and, and subtraction right now. And I had to fight my own urge to say, "Don't count on your finger. Like you should know this. Yep. You should be learning this by rote, not by solving it." And so it took uh, two weeks of me having growth mindset for her learning like for how she's learning to be able to say oh right your teacher knows better <laughs> you know better and, Actually, and do what you have to that's a perfect example of why learning engineering is actually an essential part of what should be involved in creating learning environments teaching environments etc which is our instincts about learning mm. are often wrong now, they're sometimes right, mm -hmm. so that, that's part of what makes it confusing, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get it right, but often we get it wrong because of mythologies or culture or sociology or whatever it is that we grew up with, or even worse, uh, what, how we did it, mm -hmm. right? And, right? And, you know, those of us around the table, you know, we're, we're some of the last remaining souls who survived a horrendous educational environment, right? <laughs> right? And so how we did it does not apply remotely to, uh, you know, other should be kids, done. average yeah. kids, normal mm -hmm. kids, you know, regular uh, high volumes of children. We are the weirdos. Right. We manage to sort our way through it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so tempting to, I was just with some, uh, some charter school uh, folks who are trying to work on a, a revised model for their charter school. And, it, you know, some of the key people kept going back to, well, I remember when I was... Mm -hmm. And I actually eventually had to kind of intervene in a hopefully friendly way to say, you're totally weird. <laughs> and, and In right, the nicest way possible. Right, nicest right, way yeah. possible. Stop talking about yourself. Yeah. And, and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge mm -hmm. because all of us want to reach to our own experience as right. a touchstone for right. this. And in, in a way, the, the funny thing is, at least in the West, we've gotten pretty good about this in health. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we don't, we don't, assume that we already, you know, I, I've had a body for a lot of years, right? right? I, you know, so I must know about how bodies work, right? right. I got one. I mean, it's not like, how hard can this be, right? Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't dream of trying to fully figure out, you know, what's wrong with me right. if I got something that's really pretty surprising that's happening. I, I immediately say, I need some expert help here. Mm -hmm. And on learning, we're not, we're not doing that quite yet.
Once again, that was Kaplan Chief Learning Officer Brewer Saxberg. He has a blog out there. You can find it by Googling his name, of course, uh, Brewer Saxberg, B-R-O-R. S-A-X-B-E-R-G, Brewer Saxberg, uh, a great guest. And I don't think it shocks anyone when I say that our entire trending and education portfolio of episodes could be discussions with Brewer. And don't you doubt, we will work hard to get him back here on the podcast in the future. A great discussion across many topics over the past three weeks. Uh, learning engineering, the future of work, how we learn, how children learn, how to really design and uh, get after instructional design and maybe separating out the powers between the, the content experts and those who are designing it for those to learn. So uh, a really educational experience for me and I hope for you folks as well. Next week, Mike Brennan and I will be back talking about the trends in education. Lots going on in the world, uh, the World Economic Forum released a great article, and that's going to be the subject of one of our upcoming episodes about what are the 21st century skills that students need. And uh, as our March Madness bracket showed, and as we have discussed throughout our existence here on Trending Education, those are changing each and every day. So hope you guys enjoyed this talk and these three talks with Roar Saxberg. I sure did, and look forward to talking to him again in the future. With that said... Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Trending in Education. Trending in Education.